Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. Abraham and his wife Sarai obeyed God's calling to travel south from Haran to Canaan. After a 750 kilometre journey, they arrived at Canaan at a place called Shechem. A covenant is made with Abram to give the land to Abram's children. But Abraham was 75 and Sarai 65 and they didn't have any children. Were they really going to have children in their old age? The years passed and still no children. Did God really mean what he said? Have your Bibles ready as we examine Abraham's faith and trust in God. On our panel today, we have Alan Sonta and Lena Ewan. Welcome. Thank you. Before we uh, commence our discussion, we ask, would you bow and we have prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you for the inspired word of Genesis and its history of beginnings. We ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us in our discussion of the life of Abraham and his faith in the covenant promises. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Genesis 13, Abraham and Lot, they separate. And Abraham stays in the high country around Hebron, but Lot, he chooses to go to the lush Jordan Valley. And over time, he ends up living in the city of Sodom. Lena, what eventually happens to Lot? Well, in uh, Genesis 14, we have the account of war between the four kings of the east and also the five kings of the cities of the plain. Um, so the, uh, the kings of the east actually win their battle. So the inhabitants of Sodom are taken captives, including Lot and his family. So Abraham hears about it. So he brings a, a very small force. But surprisingly, he wipes out um, the four you know, king's armies, our uh, forces. So um, and... Um, then uh, he definitely frees all the captives. Um, and then after that, he pays ties to Melchizedek, but uh, refuses to um, you know, take any um, booties offered to him from the king of Sodom. Um, in spite of the uh, great success, um, Abraham was still very fearful of his appraisals uh, against him from the kings of the east. So, so, so Lot actually ends up going back to Sodom. He's rescued, but he goes back to Sodom. Yeah. We then have the opening of chapter 15, and I'd like to read verse 1. This is Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy reward and thy exceeding, sorry, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So God reassures Abram. Alan, what was Abraham's response to God's reassurance? It's interesting that in the verse you just read, God says to Abraham, to Abram, do not be afraid, I am your shield. In other words, God's uh, message is to reassure him that uh, his uh, excursion into war is not going to cause further troubles. So God... God is a reassuring him, but Abram is not 
really thinking about that, his main concern is the fact that he doesn't have a son. And so uh, in verse two to four, we read this. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir to my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So Abram's concern about his having no heir, that his servant is going to become his, his, uh, his heir, God deals with that and he said, It's all right. I'm looking after it. You are going to have a son. So Abram's faith is being tested. Which is significant when you consider his age. So let, let's read on. And um, uh, what does God do to further reassure Abraham, Lena? Yeah, so we're going to read Genesis 15, 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now to, uh, toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Basically, uh, what God was saying here, that he was making sure that, and making very clear that um, Abraham would have many, many descendants. Mm. Which again is quite, would take a lot of faith to believe yes. at that age. Sure. Um, so Alan, um, what was the outcome? What did happen? Well, the, the verse that I'd like to turn your mind to for this one is, chapter 15, Genesis 15 and verse 6, because it says, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abram's response was that he believed God. But this is a key text because it, it is, it's the text that uh, teaches that justification comes from faith, believing. Uh, and uh, Paul draws attention to this over in Romans 4 and verse 3. If we could just turn over there to Romans 4 and verse 3. And he says here, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So this is the basis of, of our belief in righteousness by faith or justification by faith. Which is, which is very important for us today that we have to believe the promises. Okay, so God then, he goes further and he gives Abraham a time prophecy. And uh, this time prophecy would be a prophecy to tell him how long before the descendants would take possession of the land. Lena, unpack that for us. What's the time prophecy? Sure. Um, the covenant is ratified with Abraham sacrificing animals and then God puts him into a deep sleep. So we're going to read Genesis 15, 13 to 16. Yeah, the, um, 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know of surety that thy seed will, uh, shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them for a uh, hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. 
but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So God tells Abram that his descendants um, would um, you know, endure 400 years of afflictions. And then also Paul gives us more specific information in Galatians 3, 16 and 18. Let's go to Galatians 3, um, 16 uh, and 17, sorry. So now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of non-effect. So the key word is a 430 years. So from the time of the first covenant made with Abraham until the uh, Ten Commandments given at Mount Sinai was to be 430 years then the uh, Abraham's seeds would inherit the land. So uh, from the time uh, when Abraham was 75 to when uh, his grandson Jacob went into uh, Egypt was 215 years. And from then to the Exodus was 215 years as well. So which uh, makes up 430 years in total. So, um, so Abraham's descendants, uh, were in the land of Egypt for four generations from um, Levi to Moses. Yes, it's quite incredible um, to think that here's Abraham, or Abraham with no children, but he's given a time prophecy. Yeah. Um, it must have had a big impact on Abraham that this, he was really going to have children, but, but the years roll past um, and still no children. So what happens, Alan? Sarah's faith gives out. <laughs> um, in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 2, we read, So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah, Sarai. So Sarah thought, I'm going to find another way. And uh, she was 75, and so they resorted to surrogacy. It was a reasonably common practice in those days that if, if a wife couldn't bear children, then mm. another wife was brought in. Um, so uh, God's absent from all of this because it, it's, it's a, a little interlude that uh, unfortunately God really didn't want them to have because uh, of the fact that it happened because they lost, or Sarah anyway, lost faith in, in God's promise. And Abraham wasn't blameless here either because he goes along with this. Mm. He could have said, no, no, God said, but he goes along with it. He goes along with it. Yeah. And um, this was man's doing. Lena, what was the outcome? <laughs> the outcome was a heartache for Abraham, Sarai, and the Egyptian mistress, Hagar. Um, so once uh, Hagar conceived, her attitude changed. Um, so she despised her mistress, mistress Sarai uh, for her uh, social um, disgrace of her barrenness. And with her inflated status um, with Abram's child, and she became haughty. So it caused a bit of friction for all of three people here. And uh, then Sarai uh, treats her harshly. So that was um, 
another good thing that happened, you know, that happened here. So then at the end, a Hagar, um, you know, flees into wilderness to escape. Um, so now uh, we're going to read uh, Genesis 16, 9, and God intervenes here. So 16, uh, 9, and 10. So, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. So God tells Hagar to return and uh, submit to Sarai. And also God promises uh, to her that God will bless um, her child, Ishmael, was born when Abram is 86. Yeah, it's interesting that God, in telling uh, Hagar to return to her mistress, God was reasserting that she was just that the handmaid and that Sarah, Sarai was the, yes. the wife of Abram. He was yeah. just reasserting their place. Yes. Well, it is after that, he was 86, as you said, the years rolled past. I'm just going to read now from chapter 17 and verses 1 and 2. Um, 13 years have now gone past. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Why does God contact Abraham again with this message, uh, Alan? Well, it seems that uh, God, God talked to Abraham four times in his first 10 years in uh, Canaan. But then after the birth of Ishmael, God is silent for the next 13 years. And uh, it seems that the verse you just read, I am God Almighty. I'm the Almighty God. In other words, God was reminding Abram that he, God could do anything. And therefore, uh, it was Abram's role to believe and listen. Let's read the next verses. Um, well, verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 17. Then Abram, Abraham because by this time his name had been changed, mm. fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So here, Abraham's, uh, faith is, Abraham's faith is being uh, tested. And uh, he, God uh, warns him or tells him, Ishmael is not the one that I'm talking about. You are going to have a son of promise. It's going to be Isaac that is going to fulfill the promise I've made to you. Mm. So again, more faith. Lena, yes. um, as Alan mentioned, by this stage the name was changed. What was the significance of God to change the name? Okay, so uh, we're going to read uh, Genesis 17, 5, 15 and 16. So 17, 5 first. So neither shall thy name anymore be called Abraham, but thy name shall be Abraham, for father of many nations have I made thee. And 15 and 16. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations and kings of people shall be of her. So God gave them new names to reflect 
gods promise that their descendants would number like the stars in heaven, meaning would be many, many, many of them. And so it would be some sort of statement of faith to carry or you know, have those names. When Sarah was childless at the age of 89, with no human possibility of bearing or having children. So. Yes, God was really testing yeah. their faith now. This was signified, this, um, this covenant was signified by circumcision. Alan, what was the significance of circumcision? Circumcision was a, uh, a sign that uh, God had, uh, had this agreement with Abraham. Abraham was circumcised as a sign of his faith. Why circumcision? We don't know. When God puts a condition, he doesn't explain why. He just said, the sign that you uh, accept by faith, what I've told you, is that you'll be circumcised. And so the, uh, Abram did it. Abram did what God said, even though he couldn't understand why. And uh, circumcision has become the, uh, the uh, sign of the new covenant. Uh, well, the circumcision was the sign of the old covenant. The sign of the new covenant appears to have been probably baptism. Let's read Colossians chapter uh, 2 and verses 11 and 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision in Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So it looks as though in the Christian uh, experience, baptism has that uh, mm. acceptance by faith that circumcision had in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yes. Well, look, immediately after the covenant was ratified with circumcision, we then get on to the events of Genesis 18. And again, I just want to introduce this by reading Genesis 18, verses 1 to 3. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favour in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Lena, did Abraham know these men? No, he didn't know them. Um, you know, he thought that they were strangers or just weary um, travellers. And so just we're going to read uh, Hebrews 13 too. Just it tells us about hospitality and be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So his hospitality to strangers led him to run to meet um, these three men and um, and also uh, host these men with food and uh, rest. And um, although he addresses one of them as Lord, which is Adonai, a word used to refer to God, but basically it's not used uh, as the same thing here. So just, um, you know, uh, respectful uh, greeting, you know, mm. just like sir. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, Alan, how did he discover that they were angels? The stranger kind of uh, gave his cover away by his comment because he said in the chapter 18 and verse 9, then they said to him, where is Sarah, 
your wife. Now, how would strangers know who his, his wife's name, Sarah? Mm-hmm. So uh, Abram, Abraham knew then that these were not just strangers. They, they were some, someone quite different. Let's read on. He says, uh, then he said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. So this stranger makes the promise again. Sarah is going to have a son. And not only the promise, but even the time now, this time next, this year, next year. Yeah. Well, one of those angels was actually Jesus. And I just want to read... Genesis 18 and verse 17, and it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? So the Lord said, okay, Yahweh said. Mm-hmm. And um, what did, why did Jesus reveal what he was going to do? What, what was the significance of that, Lena? Yeah, we can find the answers in Genesis 18 and 19. So seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the law, the way of the Lord and to do justice and judgment. And the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So basically, Abraham was faithful in his covenant relationship with God. So God trusts him with what he's about to do and, um, you know, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So, um, yeah, so, and also we uh, see that in verses 20, 21, and the two angels and Christ were on their way um, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot in this for us today, Alan. What can we learn from this incident today? What's one of the things we can get out of this that apply to us? One of the things is that uh, Abram, Abraham, showed hospitality to these strangers. If he had showed no hospitality to the strangers and they'd just walked right on by, no doubt he wouldn't have learned what he learned about what they were planning to do. But as it was, he found that uh, they were going to Sodom. And so he gets the, op- inter- the opportunity now to uh, intercede for the, uh, t- the city of Sodom. And um, the verse that comes to mind in relation to hospitality is First uh, Peter, over in the New Testament, First Peter chapter 4 and verse 9 says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Um, so Peter's reminding the Christians that uh, hospitality is an important characteristic of, mm. of the Christian. And Abraham, by being hospitable, was able to have the opportunity of interceding for Sodom. Yeah, yeah and by being hospitable, we're, we're connecting with people. We have the opportunity to understand who they are, what their needs are, and we can witness because we're connecting with people, yep. which is very important. Mm-hmm. Lena, what should be the guiding principle for us today for hospitality? Okay, so the answer we can find from uh, Matthew 7, 12. Uh, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that man should do to you, 
do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Basically, the golden rule is treat everyone how we like to be treated. So hospitality is about giving, not receiving. So we are to be observant of um, you know, people's needs and also, um, also sensitive to um, their you know, uh, needs and situations and also empathetic and flexible and ready in how we can help. So basically, if we love our neighbours as ourselves, we should really love them as ourselves. Mm, mm, yes, very important. Alan, you mentioned before he discovered their need, they were going off to, to Sodom to execute judgment. Um, what does Abraham do when he discovers this? It's interesting. Abraham takes on the role of negotiator and uh, he starts talking to God. We won't read the, all the verses, but uh, in chapter 18 there, there's a, quite a uh, section that tell, tells us that uh, uh, Abraham starts off with 50. He said, Can, if you find 50 people there, mm-hmm. will you destroy the city? And, they, and the, uh, the angel said, no. He said, what about? And so he went down and down until he got to 10. Now, it's interesting. Abraham probably figured that there were at least 10 members of Lot's family. And so he probably stopped at 10 because he thought, okay, they've agreed to 10, so everything's going to be all right. What Abraham didn't realize was that not all of Lot's family Mm. were going to be willing to accept salvation. And and also, if you remember what Lena said at the start of the, the discussion, uh, in Genesis 14, when all the inhabitants had been taken prisoner by the kings of the, the east and they were rescued by Abraham, mm. um, they had a long march back. And in that time, Abraham would have got to know some of these people. So this was personal for Abraham. He knew sure. people in Sodom. He knew not only the family, but he also knew some of the strangers, some of the, mm. the inhabitants. And of course, his heart went out. Uh, he knew a need. Their need was they better repent or there could be destruction. Um, we have another example of hospitality, Lena. Just quickly talk us through that one. Yeah, so just uh, in Genesis 19, 1 and 2, and also just like Abraham did and Lot also showed hospitality to strangers, he might have learned that from Abraham. And, um, you know, this time the two same angels came to uh, Sodom and um, not because they were weary, but to um, uh, for the safety uh, from the Sodomites. So basically, um, you know, Lot knew uh, of the wickedness of the from of the uh, Sodomites, and so his hospitality was purely based on the care and uh, and uh, safety of others. But as Ellen mentioned, tragically, there were not even ten righteous, so the Sodom was destroyed. Yes, interesting. We learn a lot from the faith of Abraham. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you for your, uh, your comments. Today, we, find, we too find ourselves from time to time in difficult predicaments. Solutions to our problems seem impossible, but God speaks to us through his word, the Bible, which contains hundreds of promises. We can claim these promises to solve our problems. Like Abraham, we need to hold fast in faith that God will do what he says. As God says in Genesis 18:14, is anything too hard for the Lord? His promises are sure and God will deliver. Put your faith and trust in God today. We're glad you're with us on Let God Speak. 
Remember, all past programs plus teachers' notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.